I'm going to read Psalm 91, but I want you to bow your heads. I don't want you to follow along. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to be in a posture of receiving. Okay? This isn't about your mind. This isn't about your intellect. This is about your heart. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him for He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you With his wings, his faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. And I will reward them with a long life. And I will show them my salvation. Father, you're with us. Father, you're with us. You shield us around. You are our fortress. You are our shelter. You are our protector. There's a love in your presence that we can't find anywhere else on earth. Your love isn't like any other love. It's deeper. It's more faithful. It's more trustworthy. You've never lied. You have no hidden motives. You've never betrayed. You've never walked away. You've never even been finding fault with us. When we walked away from you, you came after us. When we failed you, you didn't fail us. When we were your enemies, you gave your son. You paid the highest price to pull us back into your presence. And now it's the joy of walking with you. That we get to live. We get to live with you. Yes, forgiveness. Yes, grace. Yes, the cross. Yes, resurrection. But all of that was the means to the end. And the end is us with you, knowing you, walking with you, 
trusting you, being led by you, protected by you, sheltered by you, guided by you. And Paul says, I, this is what I do. I forget what's behind and I press on ahead. I press on ahead to where I'm going. Where am I going? I'm going after Jesus. So Jesus, we say we want to know you. You're our heart's desire. You're our refuge. You're our fortress. You're our purpose. We know finally whose we are and who we are and why we're here. We're here to belong to love. We're here to become love. We're here to be led by love. And you heal every broken part inside of us. You do what no human counselor can do. There's nowhere to turn but you. You are our refuge. He who lives, she who lives in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, I will say of the Lord, He alone is my refuge. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God. And so we say, God, we, no human can help us. No human can give us what we need, only you. There's no doctor that can really give us what we need. There's no psychiatrist, no, there's, no, there's no human. There's no husband, no wife, no kid, no counselor, no pastor, no professional that can do for us what we need. But you can and you do and we can, we've tasted and we've seen that in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Those who know your name trust in you. God, we were in a dark place. The, the cords of death tangled around our feet. They threatened to pull us into the deep, dark waters where there was no hope and there was no light. We said, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're doomed. But in our distress, we cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard and answered and delivered and rescued us. You set our feet on a solid rock. You gave us a firm place to stand. You put a new song in our mouth. You changed my name. You took away my mourning. And you gave me joy and hope. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Who but you? Who do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing like you. Nothing like you at all. There's no one like you. There's no one who loves like you. There's no one who helps like you. There's no one who protects and nurtures. You said they can, don't fear those who can kill the body and after that can't do anything. That means we don't even have to fear death. You can't threaten me with heaven. You're with me. You're with me. You're with me. Come on, church, pray it out. Whatever's in your heart, whatever you're going through, pray it out. Whatever's in your heart, at your point of need, whatever's in your heart, cry out to Him. He's faithful. God, I reached the moment I was angry with you. I said, your ways are wrong. You haven't protected me. You've led me down a dark path. Why, didn't you, why weren't you there for me? Why weren't you there for me? And you said, I'm so glad 
you finally are getting honest. And then you showed me your anger. You said you were just as mad as me and that you hated what was happening. And then I saw finally you're trustworthy, you're good. And it was never you. It was never you. You call me to your mercy to become your mercy. You call me to your mercy to receive mercy from you and to become your mercy to others. There's a fellowship. I'm done praying, by the way. There's a fellowship. There's a fellowship with Jesus that's available in suffering that isn't available any other way. There's a fellowship with Jesus in suffering that's not available any other way. There's a love of God that sustains us when we're absolutely shattered and broken, that comes to us at our point of need and accesses us deeper at our point of need than we were ever capable of receiving at any other point in our life. And then we taste and we see, and God does the impossible. He raises our hope back up, and we know he's going to vindicate. He is going to vindicate, vindicate that he's good, he's a just judge, and he's a merciful, kind God, and he's not, he's not passive He's involved. He's not in heaven just watching, powerless and helpless. He punishes the evildoers. He protects his people. And when we, when we, his people, get into sin, he brings us warnings. He's not passive. He'll give us a gentle warning. He'll give us a conscience if we violate that. He'll give us a louder warning if we violate that. He'll give us a more stern warning. And if we violate that, he can turn us over to be deceived, to believe sin's lies. And then he'll give us over to experience in our life hardship, pain, distress, drug addiction, health breakdown, relational death, and sometimes ultimately physical death in hell because he's involved and he's good and he's just and he's, he's not to be trifled with. He's dangerous. But at every step, his whole goal is mercy. At every step of that process, his whole Goal is bring you home to himself so that you can thrive in his love. His commands are not arbitrary. His commands in the Bible, they're not a list of rules made up by men to control the masses so society works a certain way. His commands are how life works best. They're for our sake. They're telling us how not to destroy our heart and break our relationships and become something wicked. That's all they are. He's got all the good stuff. And from the beginning, the enemy's lie is God's going to hold the good stuff out and you got to go after it and live for yourself, live for your pleasure, or you're not going to be alive. And from the beginning, that lie replicated causes distrust. Then we pull away and we become something we hate. And he still loves. And he still loves. He shows up and we're so ashamed of what we become. We don't know how anyone could love us. So we hide who we really are from the people around us. And we seek from them something that they can never give us because their love for us will never penetrate our view of us. But his love can. And he can come in to the hardest heart, wounded, betrayed, betraying others. And he can come in with a key 
But he won't until we ask him. Jesus will not force himself into my heart. He's given every heart a key. And that heart alone has to invite him in. He could take me by force. He refuses. He wants me to trust him. He wants me to invite him in. Have you ever noticed the image in the Bible between Jesus and the church is romance. It's, it's, it's sexual. It's all about intimacy. It's all about oneness. It's all about giving yourself to each other. It's all about surrender. Listen, you don't have intimacy if you don't have vulnerability. Until, until you know you see the worst of me and the best of me, you see all of me as I am. Until I come into your presence naked and you love me like I really am, not how I want you to see me, how I really am. Until that happens, we don't have intimacy. Is there any wonder why in the Old Testament the only way to access the holy is through something dying? It's still that way in all your relationships. The ego, the self, the self-protection, the fear, the holding on, the what if, what if they hate what they see, that all has to die for any relationship to have intimacy. Same with God. Same with God. The stuff we suppress, this is how we do it, guys. Sin eats our lunch, and then we suppress our pain. Sin against us. Not just the sins we commit, but the sins committed against us. They wound us. They cause a deep wound. And oftentimes in life, what happens is we just push it down because we don't know any other way to deal with it because we don't know because the world doesn't have a balm in Gilead. You go to a council, you know what they tell you? Big words, how to blame someone. Complicated theses about how to blame someone give you a diagnosis and then some pills so you can suppress it. So you can talk about it for the next 40 years and at best, manage your symptoms. Live with it. Don't heal it. Just survive it. Just cope with it. So then we got these mechanisms to shove it down and then make myself feel better. And then we get addicted to comfort. It's time to, it's time to feel it. It's time to realize we're living as zombies because we're, we're self-medicating and we're addicted to comfort and comfort is not the cure. We need surgery. There's a verse in Hosea that says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord with weeping and repentance. And that doesn't mean like saying, I'm terrible, I'm the worst thing ever, but it has to do with let's get real, let's let this pain that we're suppressing finally get come up. Some people are so scared when their anger finally comes up because now I'm not behaving well as a Christian. No, I'm not saying scream at the people in your life. Guys, there's a pastor I, I really like. He lost his whole ministry because of his sin. Lost his whole ministry because of his sin. He wouldn't acknowledge his sin. He blamed everyone else for his sin. His, his problems were everyone else's fault. Well, she wouldn't and they didn't and my parents and these people and those, those, those guys and everyone's mean and nobody's against me. Lost everything. And then he said, you know how I got real breakthrough? It was hard work. It was heart work. 
You have to do the work. Interaction with the wife, suddenly he's triggered, feels big feelings for a small interaction. You know what, I'm, you know what that is? If I bump into Pete in the hallway, gently, and he has a big emotional reaction like I broke his shoulder, that's not because I bumped him. That's because there's an unhealed wound I bumped. And if he thinks, Tim's out to get me, Tim's trying to kill me, the whole world's against me, everyone's, no, I'm not safe anywhere, riddled by fear, crippled by self-protection as the new motive for your life. Used to be love, now it's self-protection. See what happens? It wasn't your sin necessarily, it could have been sin against you, but self-protection is now on the throne instead of love. And when I bump into Pete and he says, I'm just picking on you, when I bump into Pete and he says, how dare you, how could you, you did that on purpose, And I go, what's going on here? That's called triggered. And what we got to do, this preacher said, what I started doing instead of yelling at my wife, using my brain as a defense lawyer and making her feel like trash and manipulating it, making it all about what she's doing and how she is and who she is and how she always treats me, he says, I go out to the garage where I have a punching bag and I punch just till I can't punch anymore, until my whole body's physically exhausted, and then I scream at the top of my lungs all the feelings that I actually have. I don't push it down. I let it out. I express it. And then I sob on the ground like a little kid, and I beg the love of God to come and touch that deep need, that deep ache that's down in there because my whole life I've been trying to use my head to fix the problem when it's in my heart. And I've been finally letting God's love touch the deep wounds in my heart. And then after two hours, I come in and I have some insight of what God said and what God did. And I come report to my wife what I'm learning. Guys, that's the, that's the way. God can handle all that anger. God is the great physician. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. Jesus does the work. We don't heal ourselves. But he won't just take us and heal us. Listen, if I asked you to picture your heart right now, could you do that? If you were to picture your heart, what does it look like? And then once you got a picture, if I said, are you willing, are you willing to take that heart in your hands, pull it out of your chest and say, God, I need you. What do you want me to do? What do you want to do for me? You see the state this heart is in. One time, a friend of mine said that he pulled his heart out of his chest saw daggers in it. They had, wor- they had words written on them. He didn't know what they were because he didn't know. He didn't know how many because whatever. They had daggers in it through his heart. So he held his heart out and he said, heal me, please. Take these daggers out. And the Lord said to him, no, that's not how this works. You do it. So he pulled the first dagger out and it had something written on it. And as soon as he saw what was written on it, oh, the weeping and the screaming and the rage came out. He screamed so hard, as hard as a man could scream. 
And when he was done with all the screaming, the Lord said, all right, you're ready. And when he pulled it out, he told me, I felt it go. And then he looked, there were two more. Another one. Word written on it. Oh, the pain. How dare they? How could they? Why? No. I trusted you. All of it. When he had nothing left to scream, the Lord said, okay, you're ready. And he pulled it out. <sighs> he felt it go. And then the third one. Why is it always the last one that's the worst one, right? He said he screamed harder and felt worse about this one than the others. But when he pulled it out, he told me, Tim, I wish you could feel what I just felt. I wish you could feel what I just felt. I wish you could feel what I just felt. I felt it go. I felt it go. And then he said, Lord, am I healed? And the Lord laughed. No. Your heart is desperately hurting, but now there's a process. Now it can heal. Now the daggers are out. Now you have to give it space, give it time, be gentle, be merciful to your heart. Let me heal it. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Only he can do the work, and he won't do it without our invitation, without our vulnerability, without our actually going to him, making the most high our dwelling. That's our work. He fights for us. He heals us. He takes care of us. He pours his love into us. He rewrites our name. He rewrites our story. He restores the years the locusts have taken. But we have a part to play. It's scary. Because he's not interested in my life being easy. He's interested in me loving like Jesus. And my friends, this is how Jesus loves. And this is his path for you. You will be dying, sacrificing, being handed over to death, not because God's mean, but because the person in front of you is such value to you, you're willing to absorb the pain of their sin into yourself to see them reconciled. And if you say, if you say to me right now, I can't pay that price, we need more Jesus. Sometimes he'll put you in so deep and you, you won't even be able to make a decision. He already made you love. You didn't, at the point of your decision, would you die? Would you lay down your life? Are you willing to take this pain? You don't even have to choose. The choice was already made. You, you're bound by love. You just find yourself going, I wish I didn't have to pay this price, but I'm going to pay this price and nothing in the world will stop me. Because I see the value of the one in front of me. I see the value of Jesus as well. But sometimes it's literally the value of the person in front of you. He'll take you places you never want to go, that you never wanted to go. This is not the plan that you had for your life, but conformed to the image of his son. Fellowship in his sufferings. That's the only way to access the life of Jesus, is to partner with the death of Jesus. And the craziest thing happens when we die to selfishness and live for him. There's joy. And we didn't do it. It, it has to be God. Who could... This can't... I thought I would die. 
I thought it would take me. I thought it would be hardened. I thought I would be bitter. I thought it was going to kill me. And I'm happier than I've ever been. This has to be Jesus. Who's like the Lord? No one. See, when you ask an old saint with fruit how they feel about Jesus, emotions turn on instantly because they've walked through some stuff. Psalm 119 has a verse that says, Before I was put through suffering, my heart went astray, but now I delight, I delight in the Lord's commands. There's some hard stuff we go through. And if we're open, it makes us better. But if we get selfish, self-preserving, self-protecting, just shove it down, behave as the Christian, shove it down, then stare at your phone or look at porn or work super hard or hope people like me or whatever it is, our coping mechanisms are like legion. And all of that is to distract us from our pain, but beloved... We don't have to stay there. I think I've said enough. If I could just cut my heart open and show you how the Lord feels about you, you would know it's going to be okay. It's like actually going to be okay. There's, there's, there's abundant life more than survival. I said I was done. Prayer team, come on up. I really would love to lay hands on as many of you as I can today. So I'm going to just make my way around and, and put a hand on people. Some people might not want that, so I'm not going to be forceful. Jonathan's, Jonathan's okay with being forceful. I'm going to allow you to run away from me if you want. Hey, you know, some people need to get up out of their comfort zone. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. People have to be ready. If you come to someone who's not ready and you push Jesus on them, you make people think that Jesus is like a salesman who's trying to sell you a car you don't want at a price you're not interested in. I hate high-pressure sales. But I will tell you this, you guys. God delights in you. Cody, he delights in you. Jaden, he like loves you. He treasures you, dude. I'm dead on serious right now. He absolutely treasures you, buddy. He knows you inside and out, all your flaws and sins and gifts and skills and experiences. He knows everything about you front and back. Treasures you just the same. Just the same way he does me. If you knew my sins, you'd run away from me. I got another sermon to preach some other time about how we start out the Christian life looking at people who are in sin and going, oh, that kind of person. I would never be that kind of person. And then we graduate to, well, everybody's got their problems. Me too. And then we get a little more aware of grace. And then we go, well, there but for the grace of God go I. I could be just that bad. And then we get a little further on in grace. And then we go, there go I. I'm in there with them. There go I. And then we have mercy because Peter thought he would never betrayed Jesus, didn't he? Because God sees what we don't see about us. God knows me, and he loves me just the same. He loves me as if I was perfect, and he knows I have a, like a, a for sale price tag at some price, and that's why I'm like, okay, the new prayer is like, oh, 
I, Jesus, invented it. Lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from the evil one. You know I'm weak. You know I'm weak. Put me in the wrong situation and I'm going to buckle. Help me, Jesus. Please deliver me today. I just want to love you. Please, please keep me on your path. If you don't have mercy for people, you probably are still a little bit blind about yourself. That's the sermon from that I was not going to preach today. Let's, let's pray. What you guys got? I got something. Stand. Um, uh, when we started worship this morning, I kept hearing the word breakthrough. And if you need breakthrough in your health, if you need breakthrough in your finances, if you need breakthrough in your, in, in, in your family, I want to pray for it. So. Um, you know how sometimes things happen and and you know that they happened and you should share them so because somebody else is probably going through it Um, if you are walking with Jesus if you're like submitted to him there shouldn't be any torment in your life and I, they're just, that's my feeling. And I, and I went through that this past week because I've been staying away, um, helping care for a lady while her son's out of town. And I know, I knew going into this house, there's a lot of sexual perversion and, and stuff. Um, and you had, you had called me. And anyway, long story short, I like had this revelation, like the reason that when I get there and go to spend the night, like there's anxiety and fear and some torment and I'm like what in the world it like it wasn't dawning on me at first should have but it didn't and so I went through two nights of not sleeping good at all and the and the third night like I I got it and I was like okay this may be their house but while I'm here the Holy Spirit is here with me these demonic spirits have to leave. They cannot stay. And I think sometimes we're allowing the enemy to just railroad us because we don't know the authority that we should be walking in. So not everything that you feel and, th- and think no. is coming from you. Some of it is coming at you. Exactly. And so there was a lot coming at me, and I was getting sucked in, you guys. I'm being really honest. I was getting sucked in for two nights, but night number three out of nine nights, boom, gone. And I just want to share this because I thought it was amazing. Uh, John Bevere shared this in something that I was watching, um, Smith Wigglesworth. He went, you guys probably know who he is if you don't look him up, but um, he went to bed one night and he's sleeping. And all of a sudden, he, he senses there's something going on in the room. So he opens his eyes, and he literally sees the devil manifesting at the foot of his bed. And if you know Smith Wigglesworth, he said, oh, it's only you. Be gone in Jesus' name. And he was gone. He turned back over and went to sleep. And that's how we need to live our lives. Yeah. Instead of being freaked out. Instead of being freaked out. And there are some of you here, and I've been there, obviously, over and over again at times, you are allowing the devil, the enemy, to torment you with his lies when if you're walking, if you're walking with Jesus, game on. We should be like Smith. Dude, it's only you. (laughs) Out of here. I have no time. That should be our attitude. 
So if you're struggling with that and you want prayer, come on, I, I, I'll, I'll help you break that off. If we admitted, if everyone in here admitted the kinds of crazy thoughts that, that come to us, I think we would realize most of us are in spiritual warfare a lot of the time. Yeah. So I had some crazy good thoughts. Yeah. <clears throat> Going to the purple place. What is that? Planet Fitness. Because I'm not working as many hours, so... I thought it would be great. I thought, it'd be, I thought it would be great. Let me just interrupt you. I have an idea for a restaurant. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet right beside Planet Fitness. And it's called Planet Fatness. Anyway, and so the Lord said, uh, I, sent the, I sense God wanted me to ask people to come up for prayer. It's like, oh, that's awesome, because he always comes, what do you got? And you're like... And he says, don't give me that stare in the headlights. You got nothing. So I, but the thing is, is I never remember what he tells me. To, yes, oh, yes. Smart. Very good, yes. Good. Okay, so here it was. What false label do I need to let go of today? So if you think about it, see any false labels you have. Um, and it probably was that Bible app. You know the Bible app a lot of us do? And, and then he, they give you a scripture, and then the guy comes on and gives you two minutes and it might have been from that, but I said, oh, yeah, what false label do I need to let go of today? Think about what's in your, like you said, the heart. Yeah. What are we believing incorrectly? And let's pray about it and ask God to either reveal what you're questioning or let's have breakthrough. Yeah. Amen. To do that. What false label do I need, do I need to, let to let go of today? Every yeah. day or whatever, yeah. 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 Whatever tapes you're playing, you're listening to, um, uh, maybe... Tapes? Yeah, like, you know, uh, I know I've said this to my... MP3s. I'm trying to think of what I said to my kids. Um, you know, really, is that the best you can do? Or something, you know, you've planted some, you know, anyway. I don't know what labels. They're your labels. They're my labels. We've got to ask God to show us. Let's pray. All I heard this morning when God, I'm still talking, I guess, instead of praying, but I'm just letting you know. All I heard this morning for the message was, come to me. It's all God said. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And you go, well, how do I do that? Well, close your eyes and talk to him is how. That's it. I'm going to give you some time to do that right now. If you want us to pray with you, you can come up. Otherwise, you can keep praying.
And whenever you feel you're done. But don't stop until you're done. 